If you've got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I just want to read the scripture and then bring some encouragement at the back of that. I felt, even as we met last night with the wonderful leaders, uh, with Dan and Richard and, and Chris with their wonderful uh, wives, uh, we, I just felt a sense of really the water rising in this church. This is a great church, uh, great building, great history. There's so much that God has done already. I mean, as Paul would say to the Philippians, that I'll now say the same thing about City Church, that your fame is going all over the world because of the good work that you're doing both here in Sheffield and uh, around the world. I just felt I could bring a word to encourage you uh, about the things that God is doing here. But I also felt, even as the Lord has been encouraging us this morning, to step out into more. Amen. Uh, we sing that song, there must be more than this. There is a sense for each one of us as Christians to press in into more. Uh, I'm coming from Africa where there is a lot of poverty and a lot of challenges. But even there, I believe the message that God has given to us is a message of hope as people are released from everything that holds us back that we can be more for God. This morning I'm asking the question, what is your next thing that God wants to do in your destiny? The destiny for this church, the destiny for you as an individual, the destiny for you as a family. And uh, in this passage of scripture, I just want to borrow uh, what was going on as Jesus launched his ministry. There is a sense, certain sense of uh, Sheffield City Church launching to a new level. A new level of influence, impact, reaching more in our community, but also more in reaching out into the nations. Of course, you've got an African preacher this morning, so it's going to be a bit different. Uh, is that all right? Okay. So uh, that's partly because obviously you are an international, multinational reaching church. And so this morning, I just want us to mutually encourage each other. I'll be speaking to the church as a whole and also to us as an, in, as an individual, challenging us with the question, what's your next town? Mark chapter 1 verse 32. If you've got your Bible, I read. The Bible declares there in verse 32 that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. Somebody said demon possessed. Okay, that's another African thing. We talk to each other. Is it okay to talk to each other? All right, that's fine. Um, demon possessed. Then the Bible says in verse 33 that the whole town was gathered at the door. The whole town. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let them speak. He would let, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. In verse 35, 
it continues and says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companion went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else. Uh, in some other versions it says, in the NIV actually, there it says, Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. In the KJV it says, let us go to the next town or to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I came. Um, verse 38, that's where I'm borrowing just that that phrase to just capture our imagination for a moment. I want you to notice how Jesus is focusing on the next phase of his life while the disciples are thinking about what happened the night before. There was a wonderful crusade. People have been saved. The whole town is gathered for those of us who are theologians, we know this is what is called the popular time for Jesus. He is famous. Everybody wants him. Who wouldn't like that? Don't we all like to be liked? We all love to be at a place where everything is buzzing, everything is good. People like us, they, want, they like our company. And this is where Jesus was. And as we have read the rest of Jesus' life, it was not always like that. He faced opposition. He went through difficulties. But at this time, the whole village is gathering. The power of God is flowing. And then the disciples come to him the following morning. They say, let's go back to where we were. People are gathering. They want you. But in verse 8, Jesus says, let us go somewhere else. To the nearby village. To the next town. Jesus was focused on not only blessing what was happening today, but he was focused on pressing in into what God had for him. And that's my message to you this morning. Whatever we are going through, no matter how good or how bad, beloved God has a purpose for each one of us. There is a destiny waiting, and God is saying, let's go to our next town. Why don't you tell your neighbor that, let's go to our next town. Let's go to your next town. I'm not talking about shifting from Sheffield to Manchester. No. Uh, this is a figurative speech in, where Jesus, in which Jesus is looking at the next level. I'm saying to Sheffield City Church this morning, there is the next level. We've seen good days. Yeah, Arnold preached from the, I feel so humbled. He preached from this, a great teacher preached from this pulpit. Um, and we've seen good days. Those will be lovely just to stay there. But God has pushed, pushed us on. Wonderful leadership now. We are, um, with younger leaders. Let's move to the next town. And even as Jeremy comes, let's move on to the next town. The next thing that God has. You know, life never stops, does it? You know, whatever is going on in your life, God is always kind of, kind of nudging you on to the next thing He wants to do. Uh, on a day like this, I don't know how you feel like in Sheffield. It's, 
It's snowing outside. It's cold. And somebody, I heard somebody say it's miserable. Um, you just feel like staying in bed. And watch the, what, read the Sunday papers or watch the, t- the telly. And, but you know what? I'm talking to movers and shakers. You are in church this morning. Whatever is the situation, whatever the snow in your life, however miserable it is, Jesus is saying, let's move to the next town. So, this morning, that is really what I want to press in. Um, but let me just uh, pick up a few uh, incidental points or introductory points there. Uh, I like the fact that, number one, God is a God of new things. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, he says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Uh, God is a God of new doors, new opportunities, new things in our lives. And he encourages us in that verse, he says, uh, do not look back, do not stay in the old, even now I will make a way in the wilderness for you. I sense this morning, even as the prophetic words came, there is an open door for somebody here. God is made a way where you thought there was no way. God is a God of new things. The other thing you notice in that passage of scripture is this wonderful picture of the city gathering. This is Sheffield City Church. We want to prophesy over Sheffield that the city shall be gathering here. That there is a a vision that as a city church we shall speak to the city uh, of Sheffield and beyond. Not only did they gather, they brought the sick, they brought those who were who had demons. Uh, so they brought the needy. I just happen to believe that this place, even City Church, it's a place where the needy should come. Those with difficulties, the sick, the demonized. There are a lot of people in our communities who, as we say in the UK, they are in a dark place. That the church is the hope of the world. And much as we, would, uh, we enjoy this fellowship, the friendship, the family that we have, and that should continue, and we build to that. But that's not all. We were meant really to be a place where the needy would come and their needs would be met. Um, not only did Jesus preach wonderful messages, and we should, uh, but people were healed, people were set free. I pray that even this morning, beloved, as we've enjoyed fellowship and worship this morning, there may be among us us, you're going through all kinds of stuff. Some of the things we don't even share. Sometimes you get used to stuff going on in your life that you know shouldn't be going on. Um, um, Oppressions or stuff that's happening that you learn to put up with. But you know what? We've got to always remember, Jesus says, I came to set the captives free. The Spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me. For he has anointed me to set the captives free. So, I do believe, uh, Sheffield City Church, uh, Jubilee Center, is a place of healing and deliverance. Is a place, uh, uh, the evidence of grace is all over this room. But we pray that many more 
even this morning shall experience the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen from Samba? Having said that, let me come to just a, a couple of points I want to put before you on your next town. I just want to play this little exercise for the sake of my young ones who are here. Um, that we do have two groups here. If you think about what's going on, you've got Jesus on one side and the disciples. They are one group, but on the, uh, on the, on the night before they were one group, they were together, they saw the power of God, people are being healed, they're in the same meeting. The following morning, I just want you to see what's happening here. On one end, the Jesus who wakes up early in the morning, alone. Isn't that amazing? Alone, he goes to pray, verse 35. But the disciples are somewhere else, and they begin looking for Jesus. They are missing Jesus. Maybe somebody here was missing Jesus in their lives. You've been with him. I don't know what happened in the night. You wake up. He doesn't seem to be there. May you find him this morning. They find him and they say to him, let's go back. People are looking for you. Let's go back. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We are not going back. I've got to go into my next town. So let's start with the disciples. Why did they want Jesus to go back? Obviously, the first reason could be they had a good time. So I want you to think about going back as really staying where we have been. Sometimes, even in our personal life, we, there is this conflict between do I stay, do I go? Do I consolidate church while we have, do we focus in, or do we focus out? Do we go or do we stay? Uh, the answer is, for the church, is both. We consolidate so that we can go. Amen. We are so well told, and I, I'm happy to say, this church is one of the, one of the most well taught church in the UK, uh, from what I hear. So, actually, many times when we see people in Africa, I, I just said to them, like when Dev came and I said, could you say something? Come and speak to the men. And a lot of people initially would say, oh, what do I know? What, I can't preach. I can't do this. But in a moment, they begin to understand that they are carrying much more than they realize. You know? So sometimes, the Lord may put you in a season of learning, 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 so he may get you to a place where you can go and be a blessing to others. I have a sneaky feeling some of you are at that point. Where you just feel that there is, God is nudging you on to your next town. And how does that look like? Pick on stuff you've never done before. I've never preached before. One day done, never preached before. And today is preaching. I, I, I'm, actually, if you look at me, it's very obvious. Lillian will agree with you. I'm of the, one of the most shy people you could meet. Um, she's laughing. I don't know what that means. Uh, but I was, yeah, in my family, I couldn't even, I couldn't even say a word. Uh, God has a sense of humor. Guess what my next job is? This. Standing before crowds, preaching. Because that was my next town. What is your next town? Uh, most of us, we have to uh, get to a place where we have to decide, like the disciple, do I stay where it's popular, where it's familiar? We usually want to do what everybody expects. No surprises. Actually, staying in the familiar requires no faith. It was nice last night. Let's go back 
to nice. Now, it's nice to be in a nice place. But you know what? Christian life is not always about nice. We want nice, but it's not always nice. There will be some tough moments. So we enjoy the nice, we enjoy the fellowship, we enjoy it, and God gives us loads of those. The second reason could be he was popular. People wanted him. In fact, they said that. People are looking for you. Um, now, if I was Jesus, I would say, really? Uh, if it's today, you could look at the stats. How popular? What is a public opinion? Public opinion said, go back. Jesus says, let's go. Now, in Christian ministry, and especially in your destiny, uh, we all have to come to a place where we have to decide sometimes to go against the tide. Amen. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, people encourage us, sometimes they discourage us from doing certain things, especially certain steps of faith. I remember after my, my PhD at Manchester, I did my PhD in chemistry at Manchester University here in the UK, um, and Manchester offered me a postdoc, so I should have stayed and enjoyed a good life in the UK. I mean, who wouldn't like to do that? There are thousands of people who are doing that, and, uh, but for me as a Christian, that was the most popular thing to do, but as a Christian, there was a larger purpose in my life than just what was nice. So when the Lord came to me and Lillian at that time and said, you've got to go back to Africa, he had a purpose for us, we had to make the tough decision to pack our bags and go back. And I said to Manchester University, thank you for the postal, but I can't take the job. So we went back to uh, to Africa to follow God's purpose for our lives. Uh, what is it that is stopping you from following after God? Sometimes it could just be, be what people think. And some churches have stopped moving forward because they are so much locked into public opinion. This is what people want. Um, whereas it's good to listen to what people want, it's not always God's will that, that is popular. And, and sometimes uh, it's God, as we say, is not necessarily democratic. Uh, God is God. He's a sovereign God and we follow him. Is it okay for me to say that? Is public opinion or are his people's opinion stopping you from pursuing God? You know, the other reason could be that staying where you are doesn't require any more faith. You don't require more faith to stay where you are. But you require more faith to step out. And that's always very difficult. And uh, uh, the last thing I could talk about on why stay and why most people would stay when God says move, it's because of the fear of the unknown. Who wants to stay out and you don't know what shall happen? You know, uh, I would rather stay where I'm safe. But remember, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So many times the Lord calls us and stretches us out of our comfort zone into places where we do not know. So that's on one side. The disciples are pressing into, let's go back to yesterday. Let's go back to where it's popular. Let's go back where we know what's going on. But Jesus says, let's go to the 
next town. Can I ask the question, what was it? Why was Jesus having a different uh, kind of uh, perspective on the same situation? Why was it? Let me suggest a few reasons. Number one, we have given the first suggestion in verse 35. It's what Jesus did the following morning. What did he do? What did he do first thing in the morning? He went to a solitary place to pray. What did the disciples do first thing in the morning? They went to listen to what people were saying. So, can I suggest something here? Jesus' intimate connection with the Father shaped what he did. Can I hear an amen to that if you agree? Beloved, as a church and as believers, our connection to God shapes what we do in life. It's more than just what people think or what's popular or what's whatever. But for us, connecting. Jesus woke up in the morning and he prioritized praying to the Lord. He prioritized connecting to God uh, as first thing. And I'm speaking to the converted here. Many of us know that as believers. That's why we pray. That's why there are seasons of prayer in this church. We gather together to seek the first of God. Because what... what, what uh, Sheffield City Church does has to be what the Father is saying. So we've got to connect to God. We've got to listen to what God is saying. Spend time with the Lord. For us in Quito, we just came out of a 21 days of prayer and fasting. Basically asking the Lord, what do you want us to do? So that shaped our intimacy with God shapes what we do in life. I see a lot of people, and a few people have come to me, even even this week. I want to come to Africa. I said, beloved, we need more workers. We need people to come, help with us. But even as, they, as I see that they are serious about coming, I've got to ask the big question. What has God said to you? Because if you're just doing this out of need, even out of a very good need of orphans, poverty, there are all sorts of challenges in the world we face which can move you to do all sorts of things. But for us as Christians, you've got to be sure that's what God is leading you to do. So Jesus prayed. So that shaped his uh, view on things. He refused to stay where he was because um, he felt his father was saying to him that um, he needed to move on. The second reason, Jesus had that different perspective. Listen to what he says. He says, for this is why I came. Now that speaks to the why. Amen. Why I came. Why are you here on earth? Jesus lived his life in line with the purpose of, of God. You know, in Africa, uh, um, we do a lot of funerals. So as a pastor, I do loads of funerals. And I don't know what to do here, but uh, in Africa, there's a place in the funeral service when you have to talk about the life of the deceased. What do you call it here? The eulogy? The eulogy? Yeah. And there... Uh, somebody in the family has to sit down and write down your life. You know, their life. And oh, usually it's a nice bit. You know, they pick all the nice bits you did uh, and, and put them all nicely and in a moving way. And then they do that. Um, you know, I always think, on a side point, that, you know, you should, you should make sure that the right people write your eulogy. 
because, and, and, you know, they should write a nice one. In fact, I think the best person to write your eulogy, guess who? Is you. In fact, you are writing your own eulogy because your, 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 your life story is the way you lived it. You're making the choices on what's important. And, you know, some people's life in Africa, not here, please. This is Africa. So, it's, for, as a pastor, some of them, it's very easy to talk about them when they're gone because their life was quite straightforward. They did all the nice things and uh, they were there at the prayer meeting, you know. Don't be like that as pastors. They were in the prayer team or they did something. They all saved coffee. Oh, you know, this is nice. This is like, I'm, I'm, I'm sad and, I, you know, they're gone, but I'm standing there and I'm, I can talk about them in a way feeling this is a life well lived. But there's one or two about struggles. It's like, what do I say? So I go to the family. I have to say, uh, can you tell me something that this, they did? And they're going like, oh, no, yeah, they watch telly. But we can't, right? We can't say that. They watch a lot of telly or they spend all this time, you know, on their phone. Uh, all those don't count for very nice eulogy, do they? Uh, so we start looking for something to say about this person. And then we've got to check with their mother and their brother and anything else. Did they, did they, did they go anywhere for somebody else? No, they never did anything. They just, he just sat there. I'm getting desperate. I said, look, give me something nice to say. Because I can't say he liked to gossip. No, that's, you don't say things like that when somebody's there. So now, before I, I try to encourage people and I say, please, before you die, can you do something that I can talk about when you're gone without having to make it up or something? Uh, I know Dan doesn't have that problem. You're all wonderful people here. But the point of my point is this. If you die today, how would your eulogy look like? Are you happy with it? Is your life well lived? Jesus says, I've got to go to the next town because this is why I came. He lived on purpose. There was a reason to everything he was doing. And there is a reason to your life. There is a purpose. And may we live for it. Amen. Then the third thing I noticed there, he said, I came. What did he say in that verse? Verse 38. We'll go to the next town. Why? Not only because this is the reason I came. He says, so, because I must preach there also. Somebody say there also. Uh So I'm here. I've preached here. But there's there also. So Jesus had the other towns in mind. Yes, we're here. Yes, we've got to hit this town. But there is also there. You may call that a global mindset. A mission of mindedness that he knew that God's heart, God's love cannot just be content here. There are people out there who need to hear the love of Jesus. Amen. And some of you have got towns, other towns written on your heart. Some of you have got nations written on your heart. Some of you God has it burdened you with somewhere else where what you're carrying, what you've experienced will be so relevant to them. May you follow your next town. And be bold enough to be able to say, we've got to reach out there also. I feel there is that sense of stretching over City, City Church Sheffield. That here, yes, 
but there also. Um, that this church uh, is a blessing to the city of Sheffield, is a blessing to the nations, and uh, definitely a blessing to us in Zambia. Some of you be a blessing to some of the things you heard about Street Life Project, or uh, coming over to teach, coming over to bless. Some of you are business people, and we are passionate about business people, especially in Africa. Part of the poverty in Africa will be dealt with as we raise African entrepreneurs who are full of integrity and who understand business, who will do business in Africa and make money to help Africa and to help the church as well. Can I hear an amen from business people? Uh, so there's opportunity there to link in. So there's all sorts of things that we can do. But Jesus says, I must preach there also. But let me finish with this one thing. I think that there's something that Jesus did that underlined. is something that's quite silly and sometimes we miss it that the disciples um, um, didn't probably, they saw it, but we don't see it in their lives. And this is this. Jesus confronted the opposition in people's lives. We read there that um, people brought all kinds of people with needs to Jesus. And there were people with demons, he healed them. And the Bible says he would not let the demons speak. So there seemed to be a battle in the background, even as Jesus is doing all this. He confronted the thing that was stopping people from reaching their full destiny. Beloved, uh, I look at the Apostle Paul and he speaks to us in Ephesians chapter 6, as you know, that our, we fight. We are in a fight. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers in the heavenly places. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. Don't have time to read it. He says this. He says, if our gospel is hidden, it's hidden to those who are not saved. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the truth. So even as we reach into our community, Jesus was aware that there is this battle going on in lives of people, stopping people from encountering truth. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Free from anything that holds you back from everything that God wants to do. At a basic level for us Christians, it's just basically uh, something holding you back from the fullness of God's destiny for your life. Could be uh, uh, an oppression holding you back. It could be some forces, invisible forces, just pushing you back. You do not know what that is. I'm thanking God because we notice that what Jesus did with this, he actually dealt with it. The Bible says he set people free. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, there's that beautiful verse I love to quote. Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed. 
So the point I'm making is this. Jesus confronted whatever opposition, oppression to the will of God in people's lives. Now, can I talk a little bit more just to ask Christians? Um, as Jesus was in that town, part of it is that as he dealt with principalities and powers, they were trying to talk to him. He wouldn't even let them talk. He just told them, shut up. And he released people into the fullness of who God is. Beloved, um, um, and I was talking to Jeremy a couple of weeks ago. He was trying to encourage me. He said, he said, you know, one of the things that, uh, those of you are devoted, one of the things we, we saw and, uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, reaction to that is just the, the fact that, uh, the, there's this thing that God is doing amongst us to bring us a little bit more aware of that side of it. Not that we don't know. All Christians, I think, are aware of the battle we are in. The question is, is just this, that there is sometimes a reluctance, or could we call it a fear, to confront what we know should not be there. Here is my pain, personally, as a pastor, and I, and I carry the feeling of many pastors, is the many Christians that are, if you like, suffering quietly in our churches under some kind of oppression from the enemy when Jesus has a made, made available the freedom. And what we have to do is just to apply what Jesus has already done. It is finished. Je- Jesus cried on the cross. Jesus doesn't have to die again to give you a release. He's already died. As we heard during the prophecy earlier this morning, it's already finished. Your check is written. All you have to do is just cash it in. Our burden is to just encourage Christians that if there is any Oppression, anything that the enemy is putting in front of you. And we've seen many believers who can't go very much forward because they've been distracted by this kind of oppression happening in their lives. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody this morning on that point. Even as I encourage you to take your next town, that for some of us, First Corinthians chapter 16, Dan, and verse 9 is a reality to them. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, Paul says, There is a great day or great door of opportunity open, but there is much opposition. So you see this thing, and many of us can see, that's what I could be. That's an open door. But somehow you can step into it. It seems to be an opposition pushing back. And that's why Paul says, we fight not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers in the heavenly places. So Jesus, one of the reasons why he pressed in into his next town and his next town and into the purposes of God, and for that's why he came, because he was confronting as well anything that was holding people back. Now, as I land this, let me just ask this. Um, maybe ask one or two people here. If there is you feel there is some kind of oppression uh, and 
For some of us, it's a doctrinal debate here. Well, I'm a Christian. Is there oppression? There can't be any. I mean, I'm free. And the answer to that is yes. You can't be demonized as a Christian, so we're not talking about demon possession here. We are talking about some kind of, all kinds of oppression, and you can feel it. And you don't have to go into a debate with somebody who's being oppressed by some kind of dark something. People know. They don't have to go to Bible college to know that. You know. When there is something going on that shouldn't be there, you just know it. And you fight it, and you do everything you can to stay on board, and... um, it just doesn't go, seem to go away. I'm here to tell you there's freedom available here. If we had time, we'd go into details. But maybe you don't need more teaching. What we need to do is just to deal with it. Hello? Yeah. So, f- please, this is a f- self place. Uh, we can be able to pray for one another and deal with stuff. I was very blessed by a testimony. Uh, I, I, I devoted... Uh, we were trying to go away after the the meeting, and this lady, uh, Lillian wanted to use the ladies, and as we, I, I, I stood uh, waiting for her, this lady came out of the ladies and uh, was quite excited and started, really couldn't wait to get hold of Lillian to tell her her testimony. She said, just the last 30 minutes after I came to the fun, you know, she said, I, I didn't even want to come here. I didn't want, there was something telling me, don't go to this devoted. Somehow I came. And even uh, last night, before the last day of devoted, she said, uh, something was telling me, go, just go home, go home. I've been under this kind of depression, feeling really pressed down, uh, oppressed. Uh, but this, something told me just to stay. And as I came to the front, and as prayer was happening, something just broke. Something broke, you know. And she was bubbling with joy. She said, I've never felt like this in a long time. I can't wait to get home and just tell my family about it. Uh, It's not about Lillian, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. He has already paid the price uh, for us. That's a nice story. And this church is here to ensure that people experience the full freedom from whatever it is. We could go into details as to sources of oppression. There are all sorts of things that come. Maybe it could be contact with, uh, with the occult. Maybe it could be generational. It could be something that runs in the family. And sometimes people can't even explain what's going on, but they can see the patterns over and over again repeated. Sometimes we don't even have any explanation. Because guess what? The devil doesn't have a good, doesn't need to have a good reason to attack you. It is his job to attack you. So sometimes people stay there trying just to find a reason. Whereas that's quite good. What is even better is to come to the Jesus who has already provided. So this morning, I pray, come, and this is a safe place where I have family. We can pray together. And I believe as some of us deal with those, there will be a release this morning that will catapult you 
that to propel you to the next town. Ask your neighbor, what's your next town? Oh, you forgot to talk to each other. It's okay. I've been talking for a long time. Just tell somebody, what's your next town? Maybe that will wake them up a little bit. Let me just conclude by this. Jesus, whatever was going on, he was intent on going to his next town. We prophesy over City Church. It's a brilliant season. It's a lovely place to be. Uh, that as a church, we embrace the fullness of what God has for us in the city and in the nation. And for each one of us, I say to you, I came just to encourage you. Whatever is going on in your life, do not look down. Keep looking up. As you connect to your Father, He will help you where you can't help yourself. Jesus connected with God and that shaped his life. You are connecting with God. May that shape your life. And should there be anything that's standing in the way of your next town, God has dealt with it on the cross. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to me this morning and may God bless you. Amen.